Welcome back, everybody. This is the Hero with a Thousand Potions podcast with your hosts, Tyler and Nate. Recall last episode, we took a break right at arriving at Wall Market, the thriving community under the Sector 6 plate. Aerith is highly concerned that Tifa is getting herself involved with Don Corneo's business, and so we take it upon ourselves, against Tifa's wishes, to follow her into Wall Market. So we meet the Choco Cowboy before we enter Wall Market here. He's a relaxed and groovy dude, seems to know more than he lets on. Probably not just some rancher from Calm. We're inquiring about if he's seen a girl on the way to Corneo's mansion. And he kind of says, like, yeah, he sees a lot of girls. Like, you'd have to be more specific than that. And we have to give a description of what she could look like. Oh, that's right. Great shape, great fighter, or great at handling the books. Now, two of those options, you can't tell just by looking at a person. I can't tell if somebody's a great fighter unless they're like got their hands wrapped in bandages and are wearing Muay Thai shorts or something. Then I can kind (laughs) of take a guess. But if a girl's riding in a carriage in a dress... Not necessarily going to go with great fighter. Maybe that's sexist of me, but, and also great at handling the books. I mean, come on, there's no way of telling that, but I guess I said great shape because that seemed like the most appropriate answer of being able to identify someone's physical characteristics. Yeah, I think I said that too. Throughout this whole segment of wall market, do you feel like there's a little bit of this like diversion against overtly saying anything like sexual or suggestive because he says great shape and Sam's reaction is essentially that you said, you just said that girl's really hot, but we didn't necessarily say that. Like we might've said she has her own yoga class or she does cardio every day or something like that's what I think when I say great shape and I can describe a lot of people like that and I don't think those people are necessarily Corneo material but what he hears when we say that is oh yeah she's definitely Corneo material Mm -hmm. so I feel like through all wall market anytime we even like graze something slightly sexually suggestive either the people who did the translation or the original script is kind of purposefully diverting away from that maybe for age ratings reasons either in japan or here in america i'm not sure yeah that could be i think great shapes a pretty tasteful way to take it you kind of highlight though that there's creepy things being said by him but not Like, overtly. He's, like, alluding to creepy things. What happens next is he says that she's auditioning to be the bride of Don Corneo. Now, Don Corneo is a gang boss in Wall Market. He's maybe a de facto leader. He holds a lot of power, has a lot of leverage on a lot of people. His first name is not actually Don, Hmm. despite what I thought when I was 11. Let's (laughs) just say that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that the the it, mafia working. Uh huh. I think I did know that it was not that it was a title. I think I was aware of the Godfather series by then, and I knew that Don was a. I don't know what it means exactly. Let's find out. What does Don mean? According to Wikipedia, Don was an honorific title exclusively reserved for a member of a princely or ducal noble family, such as a principal or a duca or any male legitimate line descendant thereof. What the? Forget it. Okay, maybe his name is Don. (laughs) But the point being is that it's, he floats the idea that Tifa, she's, you know, looking to audition to be the bride of Don Corneo, which is which is quite a head-scratcher for Cloud and, and Aerith, and that she's probably not coming out of his mansion for a long time. Hate to break your heart, kid, but it's going to be a long while before she sees the light of day again. We feel very creepy about this. That even cements Aerith's imposition that we got to do something about this. Now, Chocobo Sam, he has, in my opinion, a very clear celebrity inspiration. Can you guess who that is, Tyler? Celebrity inspiration? Oh, yeah, big time. I'm thinking of cowboys. Sam Elliott's like a white white facial-haired cowboy. It's not Sam Elliott. What? Is it Sam Elliott? It's 100% Sam Elliott. Oh, okay. All right, well, fine. Well, hey, it was the first one I thought of, I guess. Sure. First off, his name's Chocobo Sam. Oh, shit. But then go listen to Sam Elliott's voice. 
Oh, I know his voice. Yeah, listen to this guy's voice. It is like dead ringer. A wiser fellow than myself once said, sometimes you eat the bar and much obliged. Sometimes the bar while he eats you. So we get into the pleasure capital of Midgar after all. Wall market. Now it's wildly different between original and remake. And so for the rest of this episode, we're just going to talk about the events of remake up into a certain point where we feel like we can combine the two games again and probably come back to original, talk about all the step-by-step stuff that you feel compelled to do to get the correct dress in order. But we're setting that aside for next episode. So uh, let's talk about Midgear. There are alleys and alleys of pop-up restaurants, shops, carts, and display tents intermixed with actual roughshod slummy establishments, including a garment shop. Mmm, that sounds familiar. Streetside counter-serve kitchens, inns, massage parlors, strip clubs, a Moulin Rouge windmill, a coliseum, an opulent mansion a ways away from all the commotion, that's Corneo's place, and so much more. The place is brimming with nightlife. Hundreds of NPCs populate Wall Market. They're packed in bars, restaurants, talking with one another in groups. They're eating, drinking, yelling, inquiring, pleading, soliciting, seducing, savoring, and even vomiting. The ambient conversations we hear breathe so much life into this place too. They're all cutting loose, living it up, or embroiled in scandal. Take a stroll through these alleys and you hear comments like, you're not supposed to see me at work, or goddamn tourists taking over all our favorite dives, or they call themselves bankers, but they're just loan sharks in suits. You can also hear, I came in for the summoning material ice cream. A few more here. Give it to me, miss. I'm begging you. But I really need the money. And you sure about that? Corneo's going to use you and abuse you. It is a thriving and blended community, a culture of hospitality and entertainment built on top of an industrial wasteland of derelict construction projects, exposed utilities, and grimy, grimy dirt. The alleys are narrow and everything is illuminated with whatever you can find, including neon signs, rope lights, Chinese lanterns, industrial flood lamps. But Nate, what's the best kept secret of Wall Market? The strip club. The food, Nate. Uh-huh. You, can, <laughs> you can get ice cream served out of a window of a refurbished sprinter van half buried in the road or sit down at a pop-up sushi bar behind a curtain of beads. A gray and white house cat sits on the last stool at a pop-up Mongolian grill and watches you as you pass by. Over there, a young couple are nearly weeping with joy as they savor honey-filled steam buns that taste so good you want to melt into a puddle. A pop-up bar blasts its immediate area with a rainbow of neon light and has a classically dressed bartender mixing a cocktail from behind a hanging rack of glowing liquor bottles. A butcher at a deli counter is presenting a five-foot-long sub sandwich that's got, honest to God, tentacles, a tongue, and an eyeball in the mix with all of the veggies. The thing probably weighs 20 pounds, but my personal favorite stop in the place? A rooftop cowboy bar with saloon doors called Good Luck. This whole place, like, we're told how seedy and dangerous and disgusting it is, but I would kind of like to hang out here if I was honest. And it reminds me a lot of Tokyo. My wife and I went there, and we went to a lot of places like this where it's a lot of really tightly packed attractions and places where it's hotels, shops, food, music, people, uh, you know, banging drums on the streets, Mm -hmm. lots of commotion, lots of people everywhere milling about. We even got invited by a lady to a tea house to witness a musical performance. And I was a hundred percent sure we were getting scammed and absolutely not. We went there, they fed us and we watched like a, a, like musical performance in this tiny little room on the third floor of a tea house so yeah it reminds me so much of that but i never felt like walking through tokyo it was dangerous or seedy or disgusting so i feel like this area is inspired by some of the surroundings of where the people creating this game live but at the same time the narrative they're injecting of how terrible walmart is i'm not seeing it yet this place looks like a ton of fun if we're being honest I feel like I've been to a place like this before, not not in not in Tokyo like you have, but like uh, Dinky Town, Minneapolis. Yes, there's a district in Minneapolis called Dinky Town, and it's legit. Oh, right outside the college, right? Mm, yeah, mm. yeah, good old Dinky Town. I love all the little added bits and bobs. It's amazing. Really fleshes the place out, but navigating it sucks. <laughs> yeah, you don't have like a heads up mini map in this game so i'm constantly pausing to figure out 
where the hell am I and where do I need to go? And even if you do, you might walk down an alley that just doesn't have an outlet to it. And so you just got to turn around and bob and weave somewhere else. Uh, Mm -hmm. I, I definitely got lost quite a bit here. Not game disruptingly lost, but annoyingly lost at times. There's also a uh, a jukebox playing a remix of Under the Rotting Pizza, mm-hmm. and it's reminiscent of like a 70s cop drama. There's a lot of bass slapping and a dude going Rick Wakeman on the keyboard <laughs> during halfway through the song to the point where I didn't even know what song it was. List- I didn't even know what song I was listening to until about halfway through when they, uh, the melody kicked in. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I recognize it now. Yeah, it's funny how that happens with the jukebox songs. Sometimes you're not you're not super clear. Uh, speaking of music, man, I grew tired of the remake Wall Market Jams pretty fast. Now I do get that it phases into different variations of itself as you go from one district to another. But this music sounds like like a modern Mario Kart menuing <laughs> song, and it's too much. It's too it's too razzle dazzle. It's too ritzy. It's too um, show busy it's too loud and sugary and in my face yeah i completely agree there's so those variations like the like the main one like you said it it, i agree it's kind of like mario kart music and then when you get to that western grill you talked about there's like booth babes there inviting you to come eat and everything and it gets into this country western version of the song and then deeper into wall market there's what i would call the head shops where you can get your drug paraphernalia and the the dude's like hanging out his shop is covered in middle eastern carpets and pillows and everything and so they they play like a almost sounds like it'd be out of india a rendition of the same song but in in that Mm. context and uh problem for me is every time you do a transition away from the alternative themes to the main one you come back to the main theme you cross that threshold physically in that space within wall market it comes back and it goes bam 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 every time and i'm just like what stop what the fuck is this like i'm wondering is this diegetically happening in the world is like something like some sort of shop producing this noise. It's so jarring and bad, but it's just part of the song. And to me, I think the thing that sucks the most is it's like, it'd be one thing if let's say an OG wall markets music also sucked. It doesn't. It's amazing. I love mm-hmm. it. It's an, it's like a, an iconic track that everyone who likes final fantasy knows about, but let's say it, it was, it was something completely different. And it sucked in OG, like the Shinra Boat song. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Shinra Boat song? When you're crossing the ocean on the Shinra Boat? I don't remember a song for yeah, it. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Besides the Trail of Blood song? No, I'll send you the the Shinra. The, the I don't know what it's called. We'll figure it out after this. But I'll send so that to memorable. you. That song sucks. <laughs> and if Walmart's music sucked in OG, that'd be one thing. But to replace the amazing song we had with this one, complete disaster. Well, they had to do something having taken the Wall Market song and remodified it for Do Recompense. I think that Do Recompense is so different that you you still had clearance to do it. It gives it also changes the vibe of Wall Market for me too, because like I said, in OG it's kind of like you're in this jazz club. You're in this area where it's kind of like, Hey, calm down, chill out. We're all, we're all buds here, pal. You know, like you want to settle in and stay a while. Whereas here it, I feel like I'm at a carnival almost like, yeah, I, like yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there should be people juggling and like barkers getting in your face. Well, there are barkers that get in your face. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I feel like personally, it's a little bit of a fail, a bit of a fail. Interesting. Um, I turn off this music. I, I mute the music and I lean into the atmospherics, the ambiance that plays underneath the music and the commentary that I overhear the ambient uh, conversations as well. Yeah, it's a different feeling with all the uh, razzle dazzle removed. I'll have to try that. I have not fully completed the chapter yet, so I do have time left to spend in Walmart. I will try turning the music off and see how I feel. So there's 
a couple things that happen before the next major story beat takes place. I'm just going to mention a few things and Nate, you can jump in as you please about just interactions and, and some are going to be like pickup quests that are very brief, but let's just get into it here. So firstly, a skeezy inbarker invites us to stay the night and I ask how much and Aerith is offended that I would want to, I don't know, stay. The, the, it's I guess it's a love motel. It's not just any other inn, which is why Aerith is offended. But lady, we have low health from fighting butch, bitch, and birch. <laughs> and I haven't seen a blue bench in a while. And it turns out the inn is free they want to get you hooked to first timer yeah i guess so i did not ask how much i answered no thanks and Aerith looks at me playful and says but you thought about it didn't you oh man so we're gonna have to give a like you said it's a love hotel here's a little bit of a context to that we certainly have those like hourly hotels in america too you know but there's they're way more popular in Tokyo. They're specifically marketed as like an hourly hotel there and like branded as such. Like this is a love hotel. We know exactly why you're here. Right. And uh, I haven't used one, but I, I may have known somebody who did use them <laughs> in my life. Anyway, we know that this is one of those hotels in the game because um, when you go inside, there's a vending machine that sells condoms and what is best can be best described as boner drinks. Uh, and I'm going to thank uh, Tim Rogers from his let's mosey slow translation of final fantasy sevens Japanese version for that, because there's a sequence where you use the vending machine and there is a energy drink, but it's, he uses the term, the, the, the Japanese characters on it are called Spirit Reloader. Nice. That's the kind of hotel we're in. So with that kind of subtext and context in there, remember how I said they're kind of downplaying any of sort of the sexual nature happening in the dialogue in the game? I feel like this conversation is more appropriate. Uh, the in attendants say, hey, we've got a great room for you two to have sex in. And Cloud says, no, thanks. And then Aerith is like, yeah, but you were thinking about it, right? You've you've been considering that, right, Cloud? And I'm just like, where, where was this? Where, how did we get here all of a sudden? She should talk. She's bringing it up. Yeah. And like, do we need to sit down and have a little a moment, Aerith? You know, you were just telling me about your first boyfriend and the love of your life. Now we're we're here this love hotel <laughs> that's indicative of a lot of things that are going to happen in this chapter of right when it starts to get just a little like what happened if the game just cuts off and moves on to something else it does. like <laughs> yeah we're gonna have another moment here she wants to use his bust her sword <laughs> oh god yeah okay so we uh we run into johnny johnny's here we chase him to the honeybee inn you just follow him around the zone and he's hard to catch up with. It's like chasing that fucking rabbit in the basement of Mario 64. He thinks he's rescuing Tifa. Probably not, but he thinks he is. And I think it's funny that across the street, there is another joint called Super Girls. Honeybee Inn is like a nice love motel in original, but in remake, it's a little bit different. It's a nightclub. Mm -hmm. It's a nightclub and it has private dance rooms. Yeah, because we figure if he's trying to rescue Tifa, maybe he has a lead or something on where she is. But no, he's kind of just stumbling through the city. We run into the Sector 5 Orphanage's matron here. She's in a honey girl costume. Now, honeybee in entertainers, I'll put it, are dressed up in cute slash fetishistic honeybee outfits and the men are too like the girls have like honeybee bump butts and like funny um uh, headpieces with like dangly antennas but the men are in ducktail suits and the ducktails themselves look like wasp wings which i think is a pretty clever touch they also have these top hats that look like like vaudevillian top hats and i noticed that the hats they sit on top of the top of the head they're not like pulled down around the ears anyways you might recall uh, running into the matron back in the well, my god the previous 
chapter and she said that she had to like go and do an errand and she was embarrassed to talk about it. Probably it was this. She moonlights as an adult entertainer. Clearly uh, one of the devs or writers for this game has had some kind of pubescent sexual awakening that happened in the middle of social studies and he's channeling his unfulfilled fantasies here something 20 years later in their professional career. Chadley's here. There's a fat Chocobo summon that we can fight. I fight him and I've got the Choco Chick summon uh, as well on one of my characters. I forget who. And so it is a Choco Chick versus fat Choco for a big Choco Boco Bonanza. Uh, he's a big roly-poly guy. He will somersault towards you and, and crush you. It's quite chaotic. He spawns a Moogle and like I think the Moogle throws like dynamite on the ground, but the dynamite's shaped like, like a toy. It's all very um, silly. And if we're to believe that summoning material comes from the planet, then this is incontrovertible proof that the universe has a sense of humor because this roly-poly chicken is fat and it's funny because it's fat and it does silly attacks and well materia is a manifestation of the will of the planet and i guess gaia has a sense of humor i think final fantasy 14 gives the explanation that the reason moogles are the way they are so like lovable and adorable and jovial it's they're essentially like as energy balances itself and ether and all that shit for every nightmare that's out there that terrifies you of monsters like crawling through the deep and preying on you and everything, that energy needs to be balanced out in the dreams and visions of mortals. And so Moogles are manifested and created out of that hmm. like desire for whimsy and playfulness and everything. They're essentially like a, a necessary counterbalance in the universe. So you're right. The, the universe does have a sense of humor out of necessity. Interesting. Never thought about it like that. 14 does have a way of over explaining basically every single aspect of every little thing. Through the things here, we do see the material shop guy now in in original he's like lying on his side with like one of his legs like propped up like exposing not exposing his genitals but like like his his legs are open pointed at you lying on the, on the counter and that's happening here too interesting that we have to retain that for remake he looks like a a young ringo star to me he looks like what he looks like a young ringo star to me in my opinion oh, um yeah. okay. and he's giving off a like late era beatles vibe to me with because the song i don't know if you had the music turned off at this point but the song changes to something a little more uh experimental when you're in the vicinity of this place i call it a head shop because i i knew a guy who basically he blew glass and he made drug paraphernalia and sold it. And his uh, working space, the windows were all covered in rugs and uh, the couches were all covered in like various fabrics and pillows and frills and everything. And it, it was kind of like that, hey man, what's up, you know, kind of vibe. And so it reminds me of that. Uh, so even though he sells materia, he's probably got something else going on on the side probably i also noticed that we have the clothing shop in remake which is also in the original and more relevant in the original than it is in remake and we also do find that the manager there and the owner is a drunk which is also consistent with original nice nice it takes a while to investigate all of the districts of wall market there's a lot of alleys nate you said earlier that there are dead ends uh, there are treasures and material that you can't access because there's grimy people in the way i'm sure you'll be able to come back later to get them but in between now and then you're really just kind of filling in the map talking to whoever you can checking out this checking out that and there are some treasures you can open up to but as the map fills in you notice that there's a path that goes kind of out of the brush of the main areas into a more quieter area and that is where the Corneo mansion is along the way is access to the Colosseum as well. And the two share a sort of similar aesthetic, like a traditional Japanese pagoda uh, style there. Yeah, the whole area is a lot cleaner, a lot more organized. It seems like somebody had some sort of architectural ideas when they were making it. Mm -hmm. It's also got a lot of Japanese or Asian gardens, clean, designed, well-maintained. No debris, no makeshift architecture, no rebar or uh, rusted paneling laying around. This is all well-kept and aesthetically pleasing. And it never occurred to me in OG, but uh, here 
seeing this in this light and being able to investigate it a little bit more in OG, we see Corneo in two places of the game here at his castle almost you could say and also in wutai which is basically this world's version of japan Mm. so it seems that aside from girls corneo has a wutai fascination it seems to be implied that he's like more of an enthusiast of it than like some sort of misplaced wutai native because we meet some of them and they uh they're completely at odds with the character and demeanor of who don corneo is so but what's doubly interesting is that in remake, Wutai is like still considered an active Cold War-like antagonist within Midgar that they're, Shinra is actively using to stoke fear and panic among the people. So, you know, this might be the only place, the quote-unquote lawless area, the walled-in area, where you could show such enthusiasm for the culture of the people of Wutai without... It like raising certain eyebrows from the ruling authorities. We are not allowed to meet Corneo. We meet one of his lackeys, bodyguards, uh, someone who's just a henchman. He's this uh, a young man named Leslie. Young man, silver hair, baseball cap. His attitude's pretty interesting. He's very short and forthcoming. And I'm not going to say grim, but just like matter of fact and straight. And it's quite an interesting like juxtaposition compared to other colorful characters like, I don't know, Johnny. And when we talk to him, he says, like, you're not going to see Corneo. What you need to do is you have to get into good graces of one of the three. Then you're going to need to get official approval. And who can give us that? The trio. The only ones in town who are considered authorities on Corneo's particular tastes. First, there's Chocobo Sam. And then there's Madame M over at the massage parlor. Last but not least, there's the Honeybee Inn's Andrea Rodea. They're an eccentric bunch, to put it mildly. Chocobo Sam Elliott is one of the powerful people. And we got to get lost until we get their favor. Now, did we mention that we're trying to get Aerith into Corneo's mansion? That's our primary objective here? I didn't say Aerith specifically. I said get a meeting or an audience with... Yeah, yeah. And so meeting Leslie, the guy out front, and what I can say about him is, you know, his demeanor. It seems like he's annoyed by everything we have to say, almost like it's his job to stand at the front door and dozens or hundreds of girls come up every day saying i want to see the don look how cute i am look how sexy i am yeah and like he has to say please get the fuck out of my face you know and uh so um that's kind of the vibe i got from him and so Aerith, while not being unattractive she's cute she's beautiful she's a catch and a half he kind of tells us yeah she's not really the Don's style, right? And so that's where we got to try and figure out how are we going to turn Aerith into somebody that is the Don's style? And so we need approval from one of the three. We try to get a meeting with Andrea and we're turned away at the front desk of the Honeybee Inn. We check in with Madame M's massage parlor, but it's closed. So we circle back to Chocobo Sam and he attempts to grift us, Nate. Coin flip. Yeah, you got to do a coin flip, but he's got a double-sided coin. But here's the funny thing, though. I did a little research and... You can pick heads or tails or decline the coin flip at all. If you pick heads or tails, you're likely to have what I'll just call Sam quests later in the chapter. But if you decline the coin flip, you're more likely to have Madame M quests. And we'll talk about what those quests are later. He says, okay, I'll help you if you win a coin toss. I'll I'll see about getting her in. The movie The Dark Knight has made it so I'll never trust a coin flip because we have that scene where Harvey Dent shows us the double-sided coin and he says, I make my own luck. My father's lucky coin. As I recall, it got me my first date with you. I wouldn't leave something like that up to chance. I don't. I make my own luck. And uh, this game rips that entire thing (laughs) straight from that movie because Chocobo Sam has his own double-sided coin that no matter what you pick, or maybe you can pick tails. What did you pick, Tyler? I don't remember what I picked. Did you get it right? No, I didn't. It's always tails. I chose not to play along with them. I said, I don't play games a chance. When we get to Madame M's, Johnny throws the doors open and he's like, 
stumbling out of the way. He's panicked. He's like crazy. And uh, we get in there now and Madame M is this uh, beautiful uh, woman in a kimono or an outfit like that. There's probably other apparel besides kimono that classic Japanese women wear, but I only know that one vocabulary word. And she's attracted to Cloud. She senses his hands are strong and she wants to do him the service of a massage. We want a favor from her. She's one of the three. Yeah. Yeah. So she has the ability to get us in to Corneo's uh, little game if she were to choose to do so. Mm -hmm. We can do that by uh, soliciting the services of, of her establishment. Now, there are enough strip clubs around here that you think that maybe Madame M's traditional massage parlor isn't one of them. And that's probably true, but... Well, we get the option to pick one of three types of massages in increasing price. And if you pick the most expensive one, well, it increases the probability you'll get uh, Madame M quests later, but it becomes a very sensual experience between Cloud and Madame M behind closed doors. We don't see what goes on. We hear a little bit of it because Aerith does. And at the end... Cloud's like loose and relaxed and there's a sort of awkward moment about it where we're all kind of loosened up in a special way. If you feel like reading the subtext, maybe he got a blowjob. I don't know. Probably not. But there's a suggestion there that leans into it. Oh, what was that? A cry of pleasure? Is this how you like it? How about this? Or maybe this? <laughs> it's kind of crazy that we feel like we had to add this into this game i'm gonna pull you down a peg there and break this down for you so you picked the three thousand dollar one or three thousand gil one right yes i did okay so it, they didn't <laughs> Turns out I remember that decision yeah and they don't necessarily pull away you see her like the gloves are off you see hand, clouds plain skinned hands and you see her give him a hand massage and like her finger touches his hand and it's like there's this and presses into his palm there's like this shock that goes through his body and he winces and he's like oh oh my oh yeah like she she knows what she's doing with the hand massage right kind of what you were saying there's this similar like discourse online about what happened in the scene because after you get the hand massage they do do a cutaway and you hear cloud let off like from behind the curtains another ah you know so there's this this idea that it's all a euphemism for you know there's a lot of massage parlors out there typically they are and it's not all of them and i'm not gonna say that this is I don't know how I put it. Typically, they are Asian-owned, Asian-run massage parlors. Not all of them. You can This can happen in any massage parlor, but where you could get what's called a happy ending, right? A hand job. If that was to your liking, do come again. To understand what's happening in this scene, this is kind of like a joke scene within the game, and people don't really seem to understand that online. They they think that this is all like a sign that Cloud secretly had sex at the massage parlor while Aerith was standing right there and he's too embarrassed to admit it, blah, blah, blah. For Japanese comedy, what this is, the joke of the scene is that he went to a massage parlor to get a hand massage and he literally got an actual hand massage instead of a massage using the hand. <laughs> And that's like, it, it may not be that funny to us, but that's like Japanese comedy humor, like SNL skit 101 for them. And uh, they have a lot of jokes that revolve around the idea that something is so good that it's better than sex. And so you can have like orgasmic food, orgasmic musical experiences, all, all sorts of things. And so I think that that's what's happening here is that she gave Cloud a hand massage so good that he might have had an orgasm. I'm not denying that, but I do not think there was any <laughs> sexual content that actually happened. Orgasm notwithstanding. And I don't think it's implying that either. Sure. Yeah, of course. Of course. We're being ridiculous here. I'm going to go a little bit further and say in high school in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, we had a foreign exchange student from Brazil. She was extremely beautiful sweet and kind one night late at a party she offered to give me one of her signature hand massages she pressed deeply into my tense tissue within my palm 
pulled on my digits, cracked my knuckles and wrist, and then massaged and caressed my hands for several moments of wind down after that. We were good friends and nothing else beyond the hands ever happened between us. But I dare say that absolutely felt like a nearly sexual experience due to how much care and attention was being given to a part of the body that often goes ignored. She went on to become a licensed beautician and wellness provider in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and became very successful. And I will honestly remember her and that interaction for the rest of my life. So I'm going to come out and say it. Madam M is real and not a joke to me. I have had that experience that Cloud had in that parlor. Nicely done, Nate. I, I've had two similar experiences and neither of them are going to one-up yours. Uh, I do recall uh, having a hand massage from prom date. Mm. <laughs> Sounds like it's getting dirty as not. But she but she gave me a hand massage and she used like exfoliant, like like the the sugar crystal Mm -hmm. lotion as well. And I've never had I never used exfoliating lotion before. The massage and the exfoliant together was like another worldly experience for me. That was really great. Not sexual, but it was like it blew me away, like what the effect it had on me. Yeah. That was one. Second one, which did feel a little sexual. (laughs) I can't believe I'm gonna tell the story. I Got a haircut at <laughs> got a haircut at Fantastic Sam's. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fantastic Sam's. All right. And you know, sometimes you get a wash afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I got the wash afterwards because like for another five bucks, why not? You know, soap and shampoo and stuff. And the way she rubbed my scalp was like undeniably an adult interaction just rubbing my scalp just 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 washing my hair i knew what was going on sure completely unspoken tipped her very nicely for you that was probably just a regular scalp massage for her could be that's that's a whole metaphor in and of itself at the time i was pretty sure that it was a message but it could be that i'm right. into it definitely projecting what i want definitely. to see than it than what it really is so for everybody out there naysaying the madam m experience i'm telling you it's real <laughs> you can go find your own madam m right now yeah hand massages are no joke if you haven't had one they're they're special get the sugar crystals so following that massage we curry favor with madam m by she sets up this proposal she will give Aerith an invitation to corneo's mansion if we win tonight's tournament at the corneo cup the Coliseum we went by when we first checked out the Corneal Mansion. She's putting a 1 million gill bet on Team Cloud and Aerith. Madam M sees the potential in Aerith, but not in her current outfit. And she needs to be wearing something expensive and special to get the Don's favor. And so that's why we need the money from the tournament. She's going to get us a nice dress, but we got we to gotta help her get her own payout in the process, right? We are scratching one another's backs. Exactly. Massaging one another's hands. (laughs) Yes. One hand washes another. There's a weapon vendor near the tournament grounds. I pick up the hard edge. I notice it emphasizes basic attack. When we get to the Corneo Cup area, there's a lobby. It looks an awful lot like the interior of Corneo Mansion. You know, a Japanese uh, traditional palace temple sort of aesthetic. We take an elevator down to the waiting area. I love the music. In the prep area jam. Mm-hmm. I think it's called tonight's Corneo Cup. The and then there's a <laughs> there's a blue bench here. There's there's a vending machine here. We're able to get all ready and juiced up for tonight's Corneo Cup. There's gonna be a variety of matches that we're gonna play before we get to the final round. The place is emceed by Koch and Scotch, and uh, they're they're two hype men of the of the highest caliber. They're kind of ridiculous. They they've rehearsed their their lines quite well. Only the most ruthless fighter, the Sack, is still standing here at the end to claim the skill and the glory. And now the long-awaited adventure with the Bloodstar Beast will battle for your movement in the corner. 
they know how to drum up our opponents. They they like to poo-poo team Cloud and Aerith because they're just a spiky-haired kid and some girl. Yeah, some girl. There's no good reason why she's here. She's just gonna get smashed, right? Yeah. And these dudes, they kind of look like gym bros themselves. Mm. They're kind of ripped, so they've probably done their time in the arena. And I don't know, does Brett Favre actually do football commentary after the fact? Are you not that I'm aware of? You see, uh. Dan Marino giving football commentary years after his stardom. I kind of feel like these guys were former combatants. Now they've uh, retired into the hype men position. In original, Koch and Scotch are flunkies for Corneo, very much like Leslie is. There's a Leslie NPC in original, although he's not named. Mm -hmm. It's a battle arena with a very flat circular playing field, large walls that encircle the playing field. And there's uh, amphitheater seating above that. And the three are here. Andrea, who in like shots is shot very mysteriously. Like you just see like cut of his chin or his back. He's wearing like a black dress with lots of black feathers like pouring out of his back. And he's got an entourage of honeybee men and women around him. He's dressed up to be very mysterious, although I don't think the mysteriousness pays off when we do meet him. I guess that's up for interpretation. Anyways, Madame M is there as well, and so is Chocobo Sam. They're all here to watch tonight's Corneo Cup. When we are kind of like entering the matches, the music playing just reminds me of modern tech and music. It's all super hyped up EDM, energy high, and uh, blaring. Firstly quarterfinals we play against the hound master human with hounds take care of them pretty easy how about you nate yeah super easy super easy semis it's back burke and butch again and another five gang members they swarm us but we get them anyways everyone is upset that we're winning spoiling their bets nobody thought that team cloud and Aerith would make it happen besides madame m then it's the finals the final match of the night we're against two sweepers one of them has two huge circular saws and the other has two huge machine guns and uh something funny that happened in my playthrough of this nate is that uh, i stagger the saw sweeper and cloud gets an infinity's end off of him infinity's end is that uh, ability that the hard edge taught us where he like twirls twice then leaps up in the air and then smashes his sword down on him this staggered infinity's end does more than seven thousand damage oh god it is the most damage i've dealt in a single move in this game so far nice yeah how'd you do against the sweepers you remember it all not necessarily i think it was just lightning bolts and triple slash back and forth between the two i was burning everything down fairly quickly in these fights because I was doing a lot of in the collapse highway. I'm like exploring every nook and cranny. You do a lot of fighting, you get a lot of experience. So I feel like we're maybe a level or two above where they expect us to be here. Nice. So that was supposed to be the final round, but Koch and Scotch have, no, it's not them. They refer to the Jumbotron and there's this silly chibi version of, of cartoon Don Corneo on the screen and the crowd kind of looks to it for a judgment of what's going to happen next and he signals that no, there's going to be one more round. These guys aren't allowed to spoil the fun. We are going to defeat them after all and we are compelled to do one more fight. As you say, Madam M protests hard because she she felt like she had won the deal. She had the Don should come through on his promise, you know, million gill, you won the tournament. Let's go. And maybe she knows what's coming. And that's why she's so pissed because the Don has a ringer ready to be unleashed. Their opponent buried in the bowels of the monsoon. An unspeakable horse, long in prison, set free tonight for your entertainment. The secret star of Don Corneo's stellar stable. Enter the Hellhound. When this thing rolls out of the floor, a gap opens up in the floor and then it rises up. I lost my shit the first <laughs> time I played this game because the ongoing dialogue that a fan has when they're playing remake is, are we going to include this? It doesn't make a lot of sense in remake, but they still kind of shoehorn this and stuff too. But then we have all this new stuff. And so like, what are they going to keep? What are they going to toss? And I do remember quite fondly the hell house in original. You pass through the area before Wall Market, if memory serves, and you can run into this hostile house. It's sprite as a house. It's like got a red roof and like purple sides. And it has silly abilities and a lot of health, a lot of health for a minor for a non-boss enemy 
And then partway through fighting it, it turns into this monster where like it kind of cracks open and there's this like cyborg demon inside of it with this big metal head and it's got claws and feet and, and it's and it's like wearing the, the house as a shell and it has more abilities now. It can like throws like bombs on you. It uh, smashes into you. Very unusual non-boss fight. And then we get it here in Remake, and it's a boss. It is such a delight because the battle sprites in original, like you you allow a sort of, you accept it, I guess, because it's not trying to be realistic. But here in Remake, we get the Hell House anyways. After this battle, I began to think about what I'll just call sincere unrealism in the age of realism. So Remake is a remake. It's rendering more real the story than it was in original. But... A hell house doesn't make a whole lot of sense most of the time, but they're delivering this boss battle to us anyways. So I'm really proud of the developers here where they, they thought that this silly enemy was worth keeping after all, and not just keeping, but like expanding upon it, like creating a whole set piece moment around it, giving it a multiple phases. It's crazy what they did with the hell house. This was, I think it's the most memorable boss fight for me in my first playthrough of Remake. I think Hell House was the one where I was like, oh my God, this is wild. And not just because of the sincere unrealism, but because it's fucking hard too. Mm -hmm. This is a highly chaotic multi-phase fight. It took me, uh, gosh, between three or five tries to do before I finally got him in my first playthrough. In my second, I got him on the second try. It goes into this bigger conversation that was happening before Remake existed, like back when we saw the E3 demo for the PlayStation 3 and we were talking about like, well, they're not going to put this in the game. They're not going to put that in the game. Like all, all of this online discourse of they just can't do that in the modern day. And Wall Market, like as a whole, was one of the things that people would constantly reference of they're just not going to do a modern realistic take on wall market in its existing format. Yeah, there have been changes, but everything that people thought wasn't going to translate was absolutely the things that they leaned in the, to the hardest <laughs> in this whole segment of wall market. We'll get more into that in following episodes too, but this was one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, that's getting cut. That is absolutely not going to be in remake. And here it is. The music changes too. I mean, we know what a hell house is, but Cloud and Aerith are like, what the hell is that? Mm -hmm. You want us to fight a, a, a cabin? But this is no ordinary cabin. Haha, -ha, callback. And it's intense. The music like begins with a with a big swell. And, uh, and I'll just run through the abilities and its phases real quickly here. So at the baseline, I'm just going to say it's a highly chaotic fight. In WoW, if this was a raid boss, I would call this a control fight, meaning that there's a lot of things going on that you have to attend to. It's not enough to just deal a lot of damage. You have to pay attention to this and that and stay away from this. And when this shows up, you have to do this. And you might say that happens with a lot of boss battles, of course. Like if someone gets, what do you call it, grappled, you have to switch to the next guy. And of course that happens here. But I feel like it's, it's all brought up to a pitch for this fight. The Hell House has very high physical defense, and then it has a God mode mode, excuse me, a God House mode, which increases defenses even more, but then he becomes vulnerable immediately after, very important in phase three, and he shifts elemental vulnerability throughout the fight. And it isn't very obvious at first or at all when you're playing the, when you're playing this fight, because you can tell what its vulnerability is by looking at its windows. The windows can tint red, white, yellow, or green, and you want to cast the magic opposite to that color represented in the windows. If the windows are red, use ice. If white, use fire. If yellow, use wind. If green, use lightning. But good luck using the correct magic if you even equipped it in the first place. So in order to have the variety of magic, you would have to have known this in advance or have already died once and shifted your strategies. P.S. Using the incorrect magic heals it. Using the correct magic increases the stagger bar. Phase one abilities, he's got chair salvo where he shoots a missile barrage of like ro rocket propelled chairs <laughs> at you. It's amazing because this makes no sense. This is sincere unrealism. Hospitality, he like sucks one of your characters in, probably the melee one, and they they get like bounced around in the house and there's this all this nightmarish uh, haunted house sort of sounds and, and it sounds like something horrible is happening in them. You can't see what's going on. A house call, he like leaps into the air and like rams you. Barrier shift, that's when he changes his vulnerability. 
In phase two, the creature cracks out of the house. There's this giant metallic head, arms, there's rocket thrusters on his back, and uh, little foot pads as well. New abilities in phase two, jet stream, where it sprays fire around itself with those rocket thrusters. Housing rush, where the claws like hard scrabble along the floor at one of your characters to ram them. And there are upgraded versions of all the original abilities as well. Phase three, things get out of hand. It is amazing. The thing takes off into the air. It's got this ability called Heaven's Word, where it rockets in circles above the arena, spraying chair missiles and mines shaped like plush dolls all over the battlefield. And then Heaven's Word ends by crashing on top of a target. And I got to think like, man, if you got like 20 gill nosebleed seats for tonight and <laughs> there's this giant demonic robotic house like <laughs> rocketing up into the air and like spraying its contrails like in your face and rocketing around and throwing shit everywhere i'd be like i gotta get out of here it's time to it's time to call it yeah i can only imagine like a metalocalypse episode where they're just all at the concert and people are just randomly dying from things going off or explosions or yes. you know accidents yes. happening and they just keep playing their music <laughs> That's kind of what I think of this scene of this demon house just spraying rockets everywhere, jumping up into the stands at various points to produce his attacks, at which we then sling our magic towards him in the stands. Right, yes. I gotta imagine somebody died that night. You mentioned Heaven's War, the title of the first expansion for final fantasy 14 online notorious for its bosses that paint the floor red with dodgeable abilities as the oh is it oh yeah the uh you didn't know that i've heard of heaven's word as the expansion but not that what it meant for anything yeah that's like every boss in the game is you know you're standing there and there's an icon painted on the floor that you got to move out of so as he's painting the floor with chair missile locations I had to figure that that was the, why the uh, the ability was named that. It was as a reference. It's like, hey, you're in an MMO right now. <laughs> this entire thing is a joke and the humor is not very deep. So that's why I figured it was named that. Personally, fighting this fight, I spent every last ether I had. Aerith kind of carries this fight for me because when Cloud uses his autos, he's stunned when he strikes it. He does deal damage, but he can't complete a proper rotation of basic attacks when he attacks and so what i like to do is i charged up Aerith's atb i loaded her up with all of the variety of elemental material um atb blocking for cloud was really really helpful because sure he can't deal too much damage but he can take a bunch of damage and if he's blocking with the atb materia he can increase his atb bar and then i also have the chakra material on him where it's like a self-heal and so he's able to economize damage into health again through those two materia. Recall that you don't want to put the elemental material on a weapon because there's gonna be a chance where he switches to the elemental that heals him. That'll be bad form. Too bad you can't take it off in the middle of battle if you feel like that had to happen. The the way in which this fight sucked is the window of, the shield comes down when he does one of his big chair attacks, right? Mm-hmm. And the window is so small that you either have the choice to cast a spell or dodge and so in order to break god mode you have to hit him with the opposite element and you have to cast a spell to do that but you're gonna probably get hit by a fucking chair when you do it so you just have to relegate mm -hmm. for a while i was dodging and i realized i don't have enough time to even dodge because i'm missing my window to hit him when the shield's down so it was extremely frustrating and took forever so i can't imagine this fight on hard mode no me neither i didn't make it that far obviously have all the right element materia but you probably also have to have like completely synergized atb materia cover blocking damage reduction stuff like just mm -hmm. just have two slots on each of them for the element stuff and then everything else be about utility because you would you would just run out of the ability to sustain yourself because you can't use items in hard mode or don't ever get hit just don't just don't get hit yeah get good exactly i finished this fight spectacularly so there's a cinematic finisher move but i had like an in-game finisher move it was awesome so Aerith can charge her atb at range including when the hell house is in the stands 
And when he lands, he does that hard scrabble charge at Aerith, and Aerith has just a sliver of health left. And he's got just a sliver of health left too. And Aerith is definitely going to take a mortal blow. And when she dodge rolls, she doesn't, she doesn't even roll. She like turns in her heel and like sidesteps like two feet. It's not going to dodge. The width of the house is just so great. Anyways, I queue up a arcane explosion, that weapon ability that does a explosion around her, estimating that by the time she's done channeling the ability that he will have entered into that radius of the explosion as he charges her. And that's exactly what happens. The gamble works and the Hell House's death cinematic begins with the thing dropping at Aerith's feet about 10 feet away from her. Nice. I don't recall. I, w- I think I was so angry at that point. I was just, once the cinematic started, I just put the controller down. I was like, okay, all right, I'm done. It can get frustrating. Yeah, it is frustrating because if you don't know what your, what your build ought to be, you're doing tiny ass chip damage and like enduring so many hits and out of sync with trying to get the the weakness window. It's hard, man. Like it was painful my first try. So as a finale to wrap this up, we get a short little scene with the three up in the stands. And uh, I guess Chocobo Sam, I don't know what his gamble was. Maybe he bet on Hell House, but he kind of... He relegates to f- defeat to Madam M as she was our sponsor in this case. And um, there, there's a little bit of subtext of those two had a history, but that's over now because they their their position or their job or their responsibilities were more important than their relationship. And so this is what they have left is the rivalry between the two of them. But uh, yeah, we get the bag, so to speak, the, the million... Well, we don't get it. Madam M gets it because she's our sponsor. But we'll see next time if she comes through on her end of the bargain, right? As always, thank you for listening, everybody. This episode has been a production of Gunblade Guys. That's us, Tyler and Nate. We think that you should think about liking us, subscribing to us, five-starring us, writing a review about us, telling a fellow game liker about us, stuff like that. If you love this show... Tell someone about it. We would love to get to know them as well. Join us on Discord. You can find a link to our Discord on our podcast description paragraph. And if you feel like tipping us, you can find a link to that too in that same area. I rant daily on our Discord. That's an advertisement. Yes. Come for the rants. Stay for the coffee. Catch us on Twitch and YouTube under the name Gunblade Guys. Who's the gun and who's the blade? Who's the gun and who's the blade? For the Gunblade Guys. Who's the gun and who's the blade? I'm actually thinking that. I'm cooking on that right now. Hmm. Stay tuned. We'll we'll answer it next time. How's that sound? Are you more like a gun or are you more like a blade? I'll come back with a deep metaphysical explanation. Nobody knew that we had side quests like this. Head up our own asses about nonsense. Yes. That's every episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go get a hand massage. Go get a hand massage. Go get a hand job. Do it. Your homework. Your homework is to go get a hand job. Or give a hand massage. Give your mom a hand massage. She'll love it. No innuendo. I'm serious. She will. Use the exfoliating sugar crystal thing, too. It's going to blow her mind. Later. All right. Later. Bye. Bye. One of my daycare people was also a stripper and wore a bee costume. I didn't say prepubescent. I said pubescent. So I'm talking teenager, not daycare. You didn't have you didn't have that moment where like, you know, nine out of ten teachers are old ladies that like they just you know, they just registered in your brain as old lady more than they register as a woman. And then like some girl fresh out of college, she's got her first teaching job, walks into your class and you're 13 and you're just like, Oh my God, my teacher is hot. Did you? Yes, I do recall. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we've all been there, right? I say that with, with full respect for, women and the profession of teaching and no interest in sexualizing anyone. I'm just saying for a 13 year old boy, Mm. this happens. 
And on the other hand, there are these poor boys that just graduated or that just got their teaching license and they're teaching high school too, but the kids make fun of him because he still lives with his mom like the rest of you do. Yeah. And we're turned away at the front desk of the Hollywood Inn. <laughs> and we're turned away. D- Discord is canceling all of that out on my side, so I hope you got a good cut of it on yours. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, I should check. Uh... You okay? Yeah, I'm. My snowball's popping. Okay, good. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, I recall that though. Or whatever. Yeah. I'll stop doing that. You're good. I. <laughs> If you if you have the confidence to pull that off, I run with it. Used to sing in a band. I still sing all the time. Okay. I'm gonna trust your editing skills to make this disarm this bomb of this discussion.